Welcome to the Palm Harvest Podcast. We are a community in Costa Mesa, California. To know more about us, visit our website, palmharvest.com. To follow along with today's message, download the Palm Harvest app and click on Sermon Notes. Thank you for listening. We've entitled today's message, Pay It Forward. Now, I'm sure you've all heard this term before, but what, what are your thoughts or what's your definition of pay it forward? This is the audience participation part. You can just shout out. When you hear pay it forward, what, what do you think? Share. Share. Anything else? Give. Give. Okay, so I know that you're probably thinking right now, Kirk, what's the origin of pay it forward? Where did that come from? Well, I just happen to have that information for you. Pay it forward is an expression for describing the beneficiary of a good deed, repaying the kindness to others instead of to the original benefactor. The concept is old, but the particular phrase may have been coined by Lily Hardy Hammond in her 1916 book, The Garden of Delight. Joe, you've read that book, right? Yeah. So now, I think we have a visual representation of Pay It Forward. Beto, do we have that to show? We don't have a screen, do we? We don't. Okay, so I'll, I'll mime it. I'll act it out. No, no, I won't. It's actually, you've seen it, I'm sure. It's a commercial from Liberty Mutual where this, this guy is looking at his phone and he's getting ready to step out in the street and this gal grabs him and pulls him back. And somebody across the way sees that. And then it shows that guy doing something kind for somebody. Somebody sees that and it just kind of goes down the road. So that's kind of our visual representation of it. And you can look it up when you get home. It's Liberty Mutual, pay it forward. It's a pretty good little 30-second clip. So pay it forward is when the benefit of your good deed is others repaying kindness to others instead of back to you. Now, have you ever been in a fast food line and you go up and you get ready to pay for your food and they say, oh, the person in front already paid for you? Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. Anybody ever done it for anybody else? I did, of course, the next time I was in line after that had been done for me. This is the concept of paying it forward, that that person will never be repaid by me for their kindness, but if I do it for somebody else, then I'm paying that debt forward. Kind of sounds like what Jesus did on the cross for us, right? The ultimate pay it forward. So how then can we repay Christ for what he paid forward to us by loving God and loving others, right? John 13, 34, 35 says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So one of the things we'll look at today in our verses in Romans is Paul's idea of paying it forward. And as Beto so beautifully explained to us last week, Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. And after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, comes the book of Acts, which describes the formation of the new Christian church. And then come all Paul's letters to these new churches in Rome and Corinth and Galatia and Ephesus and so on. And Paul, in writing to these new churches, encourages them to endure the persecution and the infighting that was happening in these early churches. And many times, these churches had to even meet in secret because of religious persecution. So when Jesus died some 2,000 years ago, 
Was he popular or unpopular with the political and religious leaders of the day? He was unpopular, right? That's why he was crucified in public to show these recent converts what was in store for them. Paul's letters to these churches always started the same. Paul encouraging them to continue doing the work they were doing and thanking God for them and letting them know that he was praying for them and then giving them the foundations of the gospel to continue their work. So as we know by now, the book of Romans is written by the Apostle Paul. And Paul had been going on missionary trips all over Eastern, the Eastern Mediterranean. The book of Romans is a letter from Paul to the people of the church of Rome, who are mostly Gentiles. And Paul's primary theme in Romans is the basic message of the gospel, God's plan for salvation and righteousness for all mankind. Paul wrote this letter to prepare the Romans for his visit, to include them in his ministry, and to encourage them in the faith. And at the start of this letter, Beto touched on a little bit last week, Paul was actually under house arrest by the Romans, but he told them, I'm coming to see you before his ministry even began when he was under house arrest. So it looks like Paul had some faith that God was going to intervene on his behalf. I mean, this is a bold statement of faith in God and in and of itself, don't you think? Where do you need God to intervene in your life right now? So Romans 1, 8 through 12, if you have your Bibles or if you have your digital device, uh, this is the beginning of that letter, Paul's longing to visit Rome, chapter 1, starting at verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit is pre- in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you. In my prayers at all times, and I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way will be open for me to come and see you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So, at the end of this letter to the Romans, which we'll be covering today in chapter 15... Paul's work around the eastern Mediterranean is almost finished, and so he, reg- he desires to go and visit the church in Rome, but at this time, he wasn't really ready to go because he felt he had to personally deliver a collection that he had taken up around the, of the Gentile churches for the poverty-stricken church in Jerusalem. Paul's work was not quite finished yet. So Paul began his letter in, to the church of Rome in, in chapter 1 that we just talked about, and verse 112 kind of sets up our big idea for today. Romans chapter, 12, or chapter 1 verse 12 says, that is that you and I may mutually encourage, be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So our big idea today is God invites me to invite others. God invites me to invite others. So this is how Paul began his letter to the church of Rome. And now we're going over in chapter 15, verses 23 through 30, that he reiterates this desire to meet with them. Ministry, doing God's work, is not a solo act. Although there are times that you may be out on your own, you never have to be alone. You always want to include others in your ministry. And if they can't physically go with you, 
then you need to fill them in on that ministry with what you're doing and have them pray for you. By letting others see inside the tent, so to speak, they're able to see the way God moves, the way God works, and be encouraged by seeing God work. Because ultimately, even though you may be the front man or woman, whose ministry is it really? So for today's verses, Romans 13, 23 through 30, if you have those verses in your Bible or digitally, follow along with me as I read. Paul's plan to visit Rome. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I've completed this task and made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Point number one in your notes, our Christian work is an encouragement to others. Our Christian work is an encouragement to others. So in our verses today, Romans 13 23 through 24a, it says, But now there is no more place for me to work in these regions. Since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. Paul is telling the church in Rome that he wants to come and see them, as he did in the beginning in chapter 1. But he's busy sharing the gospel. Paul's letting them know very clearly that he is continuing this work that God wants him to do. Paul's job is to spread the word to the Gentiles. And Paul is including the church of Rome in this work. He's letting them know by all of them, by praying for him as they, as they have been doing in his ministry, that it's coming to an end soon. And then Paul is going to fulfill this old promise to come and visit the church of Rome. But Paul needs to finish his work first. So let me ask a question. By writing this letter of encouragement to the church of Rome and including them in his ministry, do you think the Church of Rome was more interested in Paul's mission trips? I would think so, right? Do you think they felt a part of it? I think so. And let's look at our model. Let's look at, at Pastor Mike and his motorcycle adventure. And he is riding for Jesus. Make no mistake about that. He has a blog, I'm sure you've all seen it on the website, where he keeps updating us on what's going on his trip and where he is, similar to the way Paul did. Of course, this reminds us to pray for Mike and Robin and for their safety, but we should also be praying that Mike and Robin have the opportunity to share the gospel with these people who maybe have never heard the gospel before. Remember from Beto's message last week, he talked about Paul's healthy ambition that was unique to him, and that was to follow God's plan and to preach the gospel where Christ was not known? Pastor Mike's doing the same thing on his mission trip right now sharing the good news of the gospel of Christ to fulfill God's great commission in a way that is uniquely his, as Paul did. 
fulfilling the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 19 says, Then Jesus came to them, the apostles, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, Michael, while we don't have everybody here today, maybe they've gone out to spread the word. So now let's remember who Paul was. Paul was a Christian killer. He was on the road to Damascus to go and kill Christians when he was blinded by a bright light and God spoke to him and asked him, why are you persecuting me? Beto talked about this a little bit last week as well. And Paul changed his life to become the most evangelical of all disciples. In 1 Timothy 1.13, Paul says, but for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of all sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. See, with all of Paul's baggage that he brought into this relationship with God and with the other disciples, no one had a greater story of redemption and God's grace than Paul. Paul's humility was real. He understood better than anyone the mercy and grace of God. Paul's life's mission was to save the lost just as he had been changed and redeemed by God's love. Point number two in your sermon notes, meeting together with other Christians is energizing. Meeting together with other Christians is energizing. And so of our, for our verses in Romans 15, 24b and 25, it says, this is what Paul says, I hope to see you all passing through to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Paul was tired. He needed some R&R. He had been on the road and been working really hard. He needed to see his people. He needed to be re-energized. We are called as Christians to be God's hands and feet. We are called to do his work and to love his people. Now, is that easy or is that hard? It's hard sometimes, isn't it? especially with people that we don't get along with. And sometimes we're just, we're just plain tired, as Paul was at this time. And sometimes we don't want to love our neighbors. We don't want to forgive our neighbors because our neighbors are jerks. So when Paul was out on the road, do you think his message was always well-received? Do you think it may be sometimes that what he was saying angered some people? How about if he was in some place and saying things that ran opposed to the local leaders in that area? And that's why we need God's strength, because we can't do it on our own. We don't have the skills and talents enough to be able to do that work. And that's what Paul is saying here is, I need to see you. I need to enjoy your company. Isn't that why we show up here on Sunday mornings? It brings a smile to my face and a joy to my heart to see all of you to be able to worship with you and to be able to connect with God with you. I need my weekly dose of Jesus and my worship to go back out and tackle the world, just as Paul needed encouragement from the Church of Rome. I need to be in the Word every day to receive God's encouragement to do the right things and to be able to love the unlovable, especially when sometimes the unlovable is me. Well, Paul needed this encouragement he needed to have his batteries recharged to go back out on the road 
and share the gospel with a hostile world. Don't we all need that from time to time? Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider how we spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in a habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And that's why I need my Bible study brothers so much. We spur, spur each other on in love and good deeds, even though we don't always feel that way. And as followers of Christ, we need to encourage each other to live like Christ. And we have some accountability questions that we go over, and I got to tell you, the sharing is real with those answers. And to know that I have to go and look my brothers in the eye and answer a question like, were my actions above reproach, and did I live a life of integrity this week, really keeps me in check and is an encouragement to me. Christian work is an encouragement to others, as Paul work, Paul's work encouraged the Romans and encourages us and as Mike is out encouraging people in Sturgis right now as we speak. Meeting together with other Christians is energizing, and we need to spur people on to good deeds as Paul needed the support of the Roman church. Point number three in your notes. Our actions encourage others. Our actions encourage others. Romans 15 through uh, 25 through 28 says, Now, however, I am on the way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. From Macedonia and Achaia, we're pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual uh, blessings, then they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution... I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. So Paul had been doing this missionary work around the Mediterranean, and, his, and this work was an encouragement to the Romans, but at the same time, Paul was getting the reports back about the Roman church that encouraged him. And isn't it a comfort to know that you have good, God-fearing people in your corner praying for you? We all need that encouragement. And is, is it a comfort to know that these giants of the Bible like Paul had their doubts just like us, that they needed encouragement, that they got tired just like us? There are enough people in the world that are willing to tell us about our frailties and faults, aren't there? And sometimes that's running around in our own heads. So when was the last time that you told someone their, their ministry or their Christian walk was an encouragement to you? I know sometimes, but not often enough, I tell Pastor Mike, Mike, thanks for your ministry and the impact that it's had on my life and my family. So this is your homework for today. And you can do it right now if you're, as you're thinking about it. Just get your cell phone out right now, turn it on, and I want you to text somebody that has been an encouragement to you in their ministry or their walk. So it's not often somebody encourages you to get your phone out and text somebody. But if you have it with you, Text somebody right now and encourage and give them some encouragement the way that they have encouraged you. If you don't have your phone, you can do it when you get home. So I know the millennials are already done. People my age are still texting, but we'll get there. So I have another challenge for you. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, 
that it may benefit those who listen. So pick out one person this work with this week in your sphere of influence, whether it's at work or in your family, who could use some encouragement this week. And I think we all know somebody during these COVID times that's scuffling a little bit right now. Could be that person that you just texted. Write that person's name down in your notes and pray for them this week. And if you can't think of anybody, pray for Denise and I. We're going through a difficult patch right now. In these verses, Paul is collecting an offering for the poor in Jerusalem. And this will be Paul's final task before he finally gets to go to Rome for his encouragement. But Paul wanted to present this gift himself because this gift needed an explanation to the people of Jerusalem. The people of Jerusalem needed to know that it wasn't simply a gift of money, but it was a gift of love and concern for these Gentile churches in Jerusalem. He needed to pass along the good news that there were brothers and sisters in Christ that loved and cared about them and were praying for them. Isn't that a message that we all need to hear? Paul had wrung out his sponge. He had fought the good fight and he was finishing the race, but he needed to see his people and get his battery recharged. But remember, Paul's Christian action encouraged others and so do ours. And I saw this in action a couple weeks ago as the Estancia High School football team went out to Fairview Park and helped set up for the concert in the park. Let me ask you a question. Do you think those out there that saw those football players giving of their time and talents had a better or worse impression about the football players at Estancia? Better, right? That's a no-brainer. Let me ask this question. When you give of your time, talents, and riches to a cause, does it make you feel better or worse? Better, right? But what do we really get out of it? It's sharing the love of Jesus. It's paying it forward, right? Hoping that somebody else will see that and carry those actions forward. And I can tell you right now that Coach Vargas and his football team have done that. There are other teams in, in our community that do the same thing because of the model that they laid out. When I was principal at Timical Middle School in town here years ago, we had people from Palm Harvest come and provide a pancake breakfast the first morning of school. For, ninth, for the seventh grade students, their first time on campus, they like to get there early with their parents and walk around and find all their classes. So we had people from Palm Harvest uh, cook this breakfast for all of our teachers, our students, the parents, just to welcome them to Tewinkle on that first day of school. Inevitably, at the next leadership team meeting, teachers would ask, who are those people that provided the pancake breakfast? They brought in the griddles, they provided the food, they cooked it, they served it. They were even walking around helping kids find their classes. And then they would always ask, do they have students here at Tewinkle? And I would say, no. And then they would always ask, then why do they do that for us? And I got to share the answer because of the love of Jesus. So remember, Christian work is an encouragement to others. Meeting together with other Christians is energizing, and our actions in, encourage others, as Paul encouraged the churches in Jerusalem, as Mike is doing in Sturgis, as Mike Vargas and his football team have done in our community, and as this church did for the teachers at Tewinkle. Point number four in your notes. Our Christian leaders need our prayers. Our Christian leaders need our prayers. Romans 15, 29, 30 says, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. 
I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. The leaders of our churches are under attack like never before. And Satan would like nothing more than for one of them or many of them to fall because it throws the church into chaos and it causes people to question their faith and causes people to turn away from God. So pray for Pastor Mike and his marriage to Robin. Pray for him as a father to Casey and Gina. Pray for him as a mentor and a leader to the staff and worship team here at Palm Harvest. And pray for the work that he does in the community with our first responders. The target on our church leader's back has never been bigger. And there is no greater calling than serving the Lord, but also no greater fall from grace. And we are fortunate to have a godly, authentic, Bible-loving preacher to call our own, aren't we? Pray for his mission in Sturgis and pray for his safety on the road. And pray for opportunities to share the gospel. So remember, there are these frontline people like Paul and Pastor Mike that preach. There are also worker bees that set up and tear down and bring food. There are financial people who make sure the bills are getting paid. But above all, those that are most important in a church are those that pray. And brothers and sisters, these people are the most critical because they have the ear of God. So pray and see where your prayers guide you and follow God's lead to pay it forward as Christ had done for us. So I want to finish with a story, a story about a guy named Michael Anderson. Michael Anderson was a fertilizer salesman in rural Iowa, and he was traveling the back roads, he was late for an appointment, and he was going pretty fast down one of those dirt country roads in rural Iowa. Well, out in the distance, he saw a car on the side of the road, and as he got closer, he could see this was an elderly, well-dressed woman who had a flat tire, but he was late for his appointment, so he went right by. And then he heard a voice that said, turn around. So Michael Anderson listened to that voice, and he turned around, and he went back, and he helped change the tire for this elderly, well-dressed lady. Well, she was thrilled. She couldn't be happy enough. She was on her way to a very important appointment. And so she wanted to give Michael Anderson money. He said, no, no, I don't need your money. Just do something nice for somebody when you have a chance. And he got in his car and took off. So this elderly, well-dressed lady went to her doctor's appointment and got good news. And so she stopped at a roadside diner to have lunch. And all the time that she was eating, she was thinking about Michael Anderson's words. Just do something nice for somebody. And so after her third glass of iced tea, she realized that her waitress was a very young very pregnant, about ready to get birth pregnant, young lady. And so she paid her bill, she left a $6 tip, and she walked out. So this very young, very pregnant lady looked at, young lady looks at this tip and says, $6 tip, that's pretty nice. She picks up the bill, and underneath were 30 $100 bills, a $3,000 tip. So after she worked her double shift, she went home to her husband, who was fast asleep in bed, and she woke him up. And he looked up through kind of one half-closed eye, and she said, Honey, I think we have the money to buy that crib now. And I don't think I'm going to have to work any more double shifts. And his eye closed, and his head hit the pillow. And she kissed him on the forehead. And she said, I love you, my husband, Michael Anderson. Would you pray with me? Lord, we ask that today, that this week that you would open our eyes to ministry opportunities all around us that we could support and be a part of. 
And Lord, if we cannot give of our time and talents, let us support them in prayer. As Paul prayed and asked for the prayers of the Church of Rome, allow us to be partners in your ministry in our community. Let Palm Harvest Church and its people, your people, be a beacon of hope in this troubled world and times. Let people see that we are your people doing your work. We ask all these things in your son's precious name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Palm Harvest podcast. We would love to get to know you. So download the Palm Harvest app for free and fill out our connection card. Your continued support helps us spread hope around the world. You can also give in our app and find out more about our community.